All right, we're back with the Shuttlecock Podcast. My name is Aaron Rhodes. Uh, we're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven. That's uh, at 76th and Troost in Kansas City, selling new and used vinyl. On the show this week, we have Jacob Westfall. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. You grew up in West Virginia, right? Correct. And yeah, just how what was growing up in the Appalachia like? Um, it's very small. Uh, it's very rural. Uh, I grew up on a farm. So I did 4-H and FFA pretty much like my entire life. So a lot of that was like a big part of my growing up. So were were you on a farm yourself or I was. Yeah, yeah. I did uh I did like cattle and hogs and chickens and turkeys and pretty much every animal except for horses. So and like you were kind of like doing that kind of stuff until you moved out or were you Um yeah, pretty much. Um And that was, like, going hand-in-hand with me, like, going to shows and stuff. So I was, like, busy all the time from, like, basically from, like, eight years old until now. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry I was late. I was feeding the hogs. Like Yeah, pretty much straight up, like, uh, getting up, like, super early to, like, help my parents or just, like, stuff like that. Do do you think that's part of, like, why you are so stoked when shows are over so early like are you just kind of natural like you're kind of taught to be an early riser yeah i think so and also like growing like growing up like since i didn't grow up in like a big city all the shows that i went to started at like six o'clock and were over by like 10 Mm. so like going out of town for shows when i was like first being able to like at like 16 or something going to a show and it being over at like 11 and having to drive like three hours home was like Man, this sucks. <laughs> so I think that's where I'm like, I like when shows end at like 11 o'clock and I can be home by like 11.30 or whatever. So, Where were you driving out to go see shows when you were like a teenager? Um, so I'm from Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is, uh, it's like the most western part of West Virginia, close to like Ohio. Um, so I would go to like Columbus, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh was like two and a half hours away. Um, occasionally we would go to shows in like Richmond, which is like five hours away. So I was like constantly traveling for shows just cause like I was from a very small place. So all out of, unless I was booking shows or like friends were booking shows, you had to travel to see like bigger touring acts or whatever, like bigger, like hardcore and punk bands. So yeah, what, what kind of bands were happening in, in Parkersburg? Um, so when I started going to shows when I was like 13, there's like a little bit of everything, so it was like uh, lots of like indie and like post punk stuff, and then also there were like hardcore and like metalcore bands. So it was like bigger, like bands like Bane and like Terror and like Norma Jean and stuff were like really popular. So those were like what everybody was like trying to sound like, you know. And since I was from a smaller place, that's like what other bands wanted to sound like. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I also liked stuff like. Sonic Youth and, like, Jimmy World and Weezer and stuff. So a lot of people, they were, like, doing bands like that. And since it was so small, um, everybody just kind of, like, supported everybody and liked all the stuff. So there was no, like, there wasn't, like, a, there wasn't, like, separate scenes like there is here. Mm-hmm. Or here, like, there, there was uh, much more just, like, this is where you go to go to a show. And yeah. it's just, like, six or seven bands and they all sound different. So, yeah, so there's an indie rock band playing after a metalcore band playing after a... Singer songwriter probably all the time yeah. yeah and I the shows I went to were always in this like park pavilion in the middle of the city 
And the city I grew up in was like 50,000 people, which is like the third biggest city in West Virginia, so it's super small, just to put perspective in for that. And then, uh, so there was like this weird, like, giant, like, convention hall, and they would have, like, bands set up, like, separately in the room. So, like, one band would play, and as soon as they would finish, the other one would be. So it was, like, this square, and there would just be, like, three bands set up, and it would just, like, rotate. So it would be, like... You'd think, like, eight-band show, but it was, like, super quick because all the bands were, like, set up already. So, yeah, it's cool. You, you think you you would book that kind of show if you, you had the room in Kansas City? Probably so, yeah. yeah. Like, especially if it was, like, a bigger show or something. If one band could end and the other one could start, that would be awesome. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, so um, what kind of bands were you going to see when you were, like, traveling out of town to go do that? Uh, mostly, like, hardcore and punk bands. Mm. Um uh, like we were talking about like earlier, there's like a festival called For Real Fest that happened in Athens, Ohio, which is like 30, 40 minutes from where I'm from. And they had like a really big like DIY punk scene. And uh, I saw like the f- one of the first like Harm's Way tours and like on that same show, Lemuria played. So it was like very early on Lemuria and then very early on Harm's Way like playing the same show. Like Coke Bust and like Magruder Grind played and like just it was like that whole area was like there wasn't like any like division or anything it was like all the same stuff so it was just like this all these national acts playing with like other national acts but they're like completely different because now you wouldn't see like Harm's Way and Lemuria touring together or something so. yeah that sounds like it sounds like a really like kind of unadulterated East Coast Midwest like. DIY yeah for sure especially being in like West Virginia Ohio it's like there's not really a place there's not we're not like east coast but we're not midwest either so you just kind of get like best of both worlds you know because it's like close enough where you could go there if you're like on tour but it's also like not out of the way either or whatever so easy enough to be skipped to like well Kansas City like maybe less so now than in the past but I feel like like a lot of tours just shoot from like Colorado to St. Louis, and you're like, "Hey, we're we're here." Like, so. Yeah, absolutely. So you grow up I, feeling like that a lot too. Oh, absolutely, especially because it's like the routing would just be like, "Oh, we're just gonna go like Columbus to Pittsburgh, or you know, Pittsburgh over to down to Richmond or whatever." Because it's like you can skip the entire state of West Virginia. It takes like four hours max to drive through it from like you know bottom to top. So yeah. If you didn't want to, if you don't want to play West Virginia, you just don't have to. And it's, uh, it's not a place anybody would think about like playing too. So that was like hard to convince people to like come and play too. So it was like that kind of thing. So, and was was like loud rock music something that you were kind of raised on, or something that came on actually later? completely opposite. Yeah. So like. Uh, since I, I, I know you're kind of a, a country guy at least a little bit. So yeah, I definitely am. Um, Growing up, my parents listened to, like, a lot of country music and a lot of gospel music, so it's, like, what I grew up listening to until I was probably, like, 10 or 11 years old, and then I heard, like, uh, Jimmy World and, like, Weezer and, like, Modest Mouse for the first time, and that was, like, my first, like, introduction to music that wasn't something that my parents showed me, and I think, like, my aunt liked a lot of, like, classic rock, too, so I would hear, like... She'd play, like, classic rock in the car and stuff on, like, when I would go and, like, go with her and my mom to, like, grocery stores and stuff. So I think maybe that had, like, semi-interest in it. And then, um, 
Yeah, once I found out about that, my mom one day was like, I was probably like 13, and she was like, oh, there's a show happening in like the city, and it says it's like music that you like or whatever. So my mom took me to the show, and then from then on out, I just like, that's all I wanted to do was like go to shows. So, and just like, once I found out about that, that's all I did was, I used to do this thing where I would get off school, and I didn't have a computer at my house, but my aunt did and my grandma and they lived like 200 yards away so I would just like go up to my grandma's house I would play RuneScape and I would just download music off of SoulSeek and uh, I did that until I was like 16 probably I just Dude, like, I didn't know you played RuneScape too that's so good to yeah hear. exactly yeah but yeah I would just like that's all I wanted to do was just like listen to music and just I had like two or three mp3 players because I uh I didn't, like, ever have enough money to buy, like, an iPod. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would just buy, like, MP3 players and just have, like, tons of songs on it. So I would just listen to, like... Like, you filled up, like, three really, like, kind of cheaper MP3 players. Oh, yeah, for sure. Switch through them. Yeah, exactly. Were they all kind of, like, iPod shuffle style? Like, you can, like, look at a screen? Yeah, like, my first, like, two, I think, I had were, like, the iPod shuffle. So it would just be, like... You know, five hundred songs on this thing, like, and it would oh, just be I don't like, like this one. Oh, I don't like this one. Yeah, oh. like I don't want to listen to this right now. I want to listen to like this instead or whatever. So like, that was my first couple, and then I finally got one that had like a screen that I could like pick what I wanted to listen to. So, but yeah, I've always like liked everything or whatever you want to say. So I was like always interested in like one style of music, and also interested in like hardcore punk and metal music. So I never really saw like the point in being like one thing. So. I always do like hearing people's like kind of early internet or like pre-internet like music discovery stories because that's that's always fun to me. I mean, maybe it'll still be interesting to hear people talk about like the streaming age later on, but like for some reason I feel like it might not be quite as interesting. Maybe yeah. maybe it's just because it's happening right now that it's not interesting to me. But who who knows? You know? Yeah, I was gonna say too. The other like pre-internet thing for me was before I did Soul Seek when I was like you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I uh, I went to like a couple shows when I was like thirteen, and they would happen. So there was this like booking company in Parkersburg that was just like all DIY people, but it was called Project Active Media, and they would just like book. So there'd be like one out of town band maybe, and then it would just be like five or six local bands, and. Uh, I went to a show, and I don't even remember still how I got it, but I had this giant booklet of CDs, and it had, like, everything in it. It was, like, Terror, Bane, like, Norma Jean, and then I'd have, like, a Nirvana CD, Sonic Youth, like, uh, Jimmy World, like, just stuff that I, would, like, wouldn't otherwise, like, really had gotten into. So I just had this giant booklet of CDs, and I remember I used to just put it in my backpack and take it with me to school with my CD player, and I would just, like... That's how I listen to music until and like uh the kids that I like made friends with at shows, we'd like burn CDs for one another and that's where the whole soul same thing came from. So yeah. Uh, I, I definitely grew up with a lot of burnt CDs. I think my dad would kinda like even before I was like a teenager, my dad would like lime wire them and burn them for me. I'm like and then he taught me how to go on lime wire. And then I downloaded way too much stuff and probably gave my computer a virus. Definitely so did that. I think I have ruined a lot of my, my dad's uh, technology by just going crazy with it. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I didn't know that uh, Chromags and Agnostic Front were two separate things until, like, I was probably, like, 17 because 
when I was like 14 and downloaded those off LimeWire, they were all like marked incorrectly, you know? So I was like thinking they're like the same thing for like ever, so. <laughs> oh yeah, there's always the, the mislabeled file story when, when you're doing peer-to-peer stuff. So oh yes. It's fun. Oh yeah, but um, so you, you kind of did get into hardcore through going to those like kind of mixed bill shows and trading CDs and stuff. Um, when did you first start making music yourself? Oh, uh, actually, like, really late in life. So I was, like, probably, like, 20 years old. And, uh, no, I was 19, actually. So I, like, was fresh out of high school, and I had some friends that some were still in high school somewhere, and we were, uh, we all really wanted to start, like, a band. So my friend had a bass, but he didn't play it. And I was like, I'll just, I'll just learn how to play bass. So I just took it home. And I was just, like, teaching myself, like, all the songs I, like, love. You know, I was, like, teaching myself, like, Black Flag songs, like, Integrity songs, Chromag songs, whatever. And I was, like, man, this isn't really that hard. So I was, like, I'll just uh, I'll just start writing my own songs on bass. So I was, like, writing these songs. And then uh, eventually we just, like, got some guys that I, like, went to school with that, like, kind of like hardcore music, kind of like metalcore stuff or whatever. So it's, like, started a band. And that's, like, how I started playing music. And that's... The evolution just keeps going after that. It's just like I wanted to start a band and we didn't have a drummer, so I just taught myself how to play drums. And then I wanted to play guitar in a band because I wanted to be like a specific sound, so I just taught myself how to play guitar. So, what was the name of that first band that you did? It was called Enlighten. Don't look that up. <laughs> you probably can't find it. So, unless you're a true West Virginia head from Parkersburg, you probably haven't heard mm-hmm. it, and you probably won't. So. And I know, like, another one that you were in was called Nature of the Beast. Yeah, that was a band I did, like, right before I moved to Kansas City. So that was, like, almost five years ago now. So, yeah. Yeah, That was a straight-edge band? Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was a straight-edge band. Yep. That was was the band I, yeah, like I said, I did right before I moved here. So so there were, like, a couple, like, in between that first band and Nature of the Beast, probably? Yeah, so, like, um, I did Enlighten. And then we just, like, you know, just kind of stopped playing, and we just broke up. Hmm. And then there's, like, another band. Uh, there were some guys that were from Ohio, and like I said, I lived super close to Ohio, and they played in this band, and it was... I can't remember what they were called at first, but it was, like, a really bad name. So my friend Eric, who sings in the band, uh, who sang in the band, he hit me up and was like, hey, we need someone to play bass. Uh, do you want to play in this band? And I was like, I'll play in it if you guys change the name. <laughs> that's, so, a, that's a great stipulation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, they changed the name, and it just ended up being like something. It was just like called Misfortunes. It's just like a generic band. But yeah. it was just like uh, it kind of it sounded like Converge and like Disembodied and stuff like that. Better so, than having a corny name. Like precisely. Boring, boring name better than corny, uh, corny name. Agreed. <laughs> and so we just like – and we also liked a bunch of other stuff like uh, – we like like a lot of like post rock stuff. Like we liked like ISIS and stuff like that. So we like, combined elements of that. So there's like lots of effects and stuff. So that was cool. Mm. But I think that's uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only stuff that I like actually played shows and I like really enjoyed doing. So it was like yeah, three bands that I did while I was in West Virginia. Mm. So yeah. And so yeah, what prompted the move to Kansas City? Um. So. I was dating a girl at the time, and I had visited here quite a bit. I think uh, my first visit here was, like, almost six years ago now. And uh, I just, like, really liked it here. And we had been together for a while, so she was from here. So we were, like, 
All right, let's uh, make the move. So I moved here. We ended up splitting up, but I really liked it, so I just stayed, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So, what were what made you like the city so much on like your earlier visits? Um, I think I liked it because it was like it still reminded me of home because everyone here is like really kind, and no one has like no one has like a big ego or anything. But it's also like big enough where like stuff happens, so it's like. I no longer had to think about, like, because music is just, like, the biggest part of my life and always has been. So I didn't really have to think about, like, oh, man, I'm going to have to drive, like, three hours to go see that tour. or Oh, maybe, maybe they'll have a fest in Kansas City. Like, ooh, yeah, this possibility. Yeah, exactly, precisely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, like, a, a big part of it was, like, every, the cost of living here was, like, still really affordable. Everyone was super nice. I could get a job pretty easily. I had a few friends before I moved here, and then it just, I don't know, just kind of made sense. I always liked, like, a lot of the Kansas City bands from, like, seeing them out of town, so it just kind of made sense for me to move here, you know, so. And uh, so what are, like, some of your biggest, like, takeaways after living here for a handful of years? Um, Kansas City is the most underrated city in the Midwest in every, in every like, viewpoint. It's, uh, there's tons of good food here. There's tons of good coffee. All the shows here are awesome. Everyone's super nice. There's some of the best bands in the Midwest are here, but no one seems to pay attention for whatever reason. And then, uh, I don't know, everyone's just kind of, there's, like, some, like, brotherhood, sisterhood kind of thing here, too. It's, like, everyone kind of, like, puts on for themselves, but also, uh, there's a lot of, like, brewing, you know? It's like, uh, yeah, everyone's constantly working to try to make something better, is what I'm, when I say that. Mm. There's no, like, there's not really too much ego or anything, and everyone's just, like, down to, like, help each other, go to shows. Even if it's not, like, a show someone's, like, crazy about, if someone's playing it they like, they just, like, go to the show, you know? So, that's why I like Kansas City. Nice. And, um... So I know you're you're straight edge personally. So, um, like I don't know, do you have much much story behind uh, when like how you became straight edge and how uh, you maintained that? So it was like, so I started going to shows when I was like 13, mm-hmm. and like immediately found out about straight edge just because there was like almost all the kids that were like into hardcore and metalcore stuff were straight edge. So I was like, I don't even know what that is. So I was like. Uh, I was like reading. I was like started reading about it online and stuff because there was like still like Zanga and like Live Journal and stuff where people would like talk about it. And there's like random blogs. Like I can't remember what they would have been. It wouldn't have been Blogspot or something like that. But uh, we were just like talking to somebody and they were just like, "Yeah, it just means I, you know, I abstain from doing like drugs and alcohol." And I was like, "Okay, I do that." So it just kind of like made sense. I, like, really thought about it before I decided, like, yeah, I'm going to call myself straight edge because all the kids in my school would definitely, like, you know, pick on me for, like, that kind of stuff. So it was, like, uh, it just made sense. And then the other thing was, like, I have, like, family that have, like, either died or have, like, like, lost themselves due to, like, prescription drugs or alcohol abuse or whatever. So just kind of made sense. And then... My dad, actually, he, uh, when I was born, he made, like, a promise to himself that he was, like, never going to drink or do anything, like, ever again, and he just doesn't ever. 
So it was just kind of, I've never was around that to like, I never had the temptation to want to do it. And I was just like, yeah, that's not for me. So that's why. Hmm. So. And um, do you think that like um, Kansas City versus West Virginia, do you think there's like much more of like a drinking or a drug culture out there rather than here? Or do you think it's the opposite? Um, I don't really know, honestly. Like I said, like, there's definitely, like, heavy drug culture in West Virginia because the sad, like, fact of the matter is that whenever you live in, like, a rural state like that, uh, it's, like, cheap coping mechanisms are, like, you know, to drink, do drugs, you know, abuse, you know. The opioid thing is probably kind of bad out there, too. Extremely bad. And uh, prescription medicine, obviously, is really, really bad, so... Um, yeah, it's just like a cheap release, you know? So when you live in a city that's, you know, even smaller than where I'm from and you live in the mountains and stuff and the only jobs there are coal mining jobs, it's like very easy for people just to slip into, you know, abusing, doing meth, opiates, prescription medicine, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I would say that that kind of stuff, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the drug culture and alcohol and stuff like that in Kansas City, but... I would say they're probably on par with one another. So, mm. but that that didn't really have a like a decision making factor for me to like decide that I wanted to be the straight edge because there was like, you know, alcohol or drug abuse in West Virginia. It just kind of just like, oh, this is for me, and that's what it's always been about too. I have tons of friends who you know drink and smoke weed, you know, do whatever they want to do, and. uh I've never been in a person that's been like, yeah, I can't be friends with you because of that or whatever. Mm. I just want my friends to do what they want to do and be safe. So, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And w- one more, like, note on West Virginia, I guess. Like, do you, do you ever miss just, like, working on the farm and stuff? Like, do you kind of wish you kind of got to do that here? And- yeah, I do, honestly. I, I miss it a lot. Yeah. I uh, I like the, I like the um, solitude from it. It's like... Um, you're kind of just like on your own kind of thing and you live in the country so no one bothers you ever the only time you're bothered is if you want to be bothered and uh yeah i do miss it a lot actually i miss like being on the farm with my parents and like helping my dad like you know do hay in the summer and stuff is like dreadful and terrible as that sounds of but uh i do miss it so yeah everything about just like purchasing like a, a little ranch for yourself man that would be cool yeah. maybe one day so but yeah I, I think about that kind of stuff all the time i agriculture and like farming and all that stuff is still like really important to me so hmm. yeah no oh, yeah and uh i don't know if it was on a farm or if it was just more of like just like a storage thing but i do know there was a, a diy venue like outside of Kansas city it was called Dedo's barn because Dedo from bunch of Kansas City punk and metal bands but I guess like his family had a barn that they let like bands play in I think like they had the body and double negative there and like all these crazy shows yeah, it, it was just like right before I started going to shows though so. Antonio is actually uh, men- mentioned uh, like a apparently crazy famous weekend nacho show or something oh, that nice. happened there so I don't know <laughs> tires and something you know typical KC show a lot of, a lot of bad kid shit right exactly <laughs> um but yeah, so once once you get to Kansas City, like I think pretty quickly you guys started Blindside USA. Yes. Mm. So um, 
I moved here, and I the only person I really knew was Antonio, just because we had been friends for like a few years before that because of like Spine and Sorry Excuse, and uh, I immediately met Alex, and um, we kind of we just hit it off, and he was like, "Hey, I can actually get you a job uh, with me working at Guitar Center," and I was like, "Okay, cool, that would be awesome." I don't have a job yet, so. Started working at Guitar Center, and Alex hit me up and was like, hey, I really wanted to do this new band. Um, I have three songs written for it. And I was like, cool, I have two songs written. Just, like, stuff that I had just been writing at home or whatever. And uh, that was pretty much the birth of Blindside. Mm-hmm. I sent him the songs, like, via, like, a voice recorder or whatever to his phone. And Alex is, like, an amazing musician, so he just, like, figured out what the songs were on guitar. And then he, like, tabbed them all out. Um, He was like, yeah, I want my friend David to sing. And then I'd only met him once before that at uh, the first Midwest Blood because he came a spine. And uh, we were trying to figure out somebody else to play bass. And Alex was like, hey, I know this uh, kid named Max. He... uh, he plays in like other hardcore bands in the outside of the city, but uh, he'd be like a really good fit to play bass. So I was like, "Cool!" So we just had made this Facebook like group chat, and Tunk sent the uh, tabs for each song and like uh, these like garage band demos of the songs to everybody, and we all just learned each other's songs. And like the first practice, we all had like our printed out like tab books and stuff, and we're like learning these blindside demo songs. So yeah, that's pretty much like. What, and when I moved here, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to wait to, like, start a band. And then within, like, a month, I'd already, like, we were already practicing Blindside. So, yeah. And, and that beginning kind of sounds, like, even more, like, industrious than, like, most bands are. I feel like everyone just kind of gets together and they're like, oh, okay. Does anyone have any ideas for a song or something, I guess? Like, this would be cool. But, like, you guys, like, came ready. You were like, oh, I have this song. Like, I have this song. Yeah, and that's uh, I think that's just why the like why the group of people that we have just keep doing bands together is because we're all very like, we're just always all playing or listening to music. So it's like, oh, I have a riff, I have a song, I have, and usually it's like songs and like, I know like Max, Alex, myself, Dan, Dave, we're all like very meticulous about how we write music, so. We might write a song like a month ago, and then it could go through like six or seven different changes before you get like the final product. Then we bring it to practice and just like paste it all together, pretty much. So, do do you have like a very specific writing process for yourself? Or? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's more just like I'm just like sit down and play guitar or whatever, and I'll just write a cool riff, and I'll just try to like build off of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't write anything off of it, so it's kind of like stored in my head. Or just like record it on my phone, and um, I'll be writing another song, and the riff somehow will fit perfectly. So mm. it's like a lot of subconscious stuff like that. So um, that's usually how I write. Mm. It's like, and I try to break it up and try to push myself, make my think self think of like different ways to start songs or different rhythms or whatever the case may be. So mm. and yeah, so like what were. Like, like, do you have any, like, favorite moments that really stick out from, like, being in Blindside? Like, specific, like, records or tours and dates you, you went on? Um, honestly, I, I don't have, like, I have 
way fewer bad moments with Blindside than I have any other band that I've ever been in. Um, I'm just trying to think of like really cool stuff that's happened. These are just like little facts that I would want to know if somebody was like asking questions like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's like uh, we did this Midwest tour that was supposed to be with a band from Texas, and they ended up dropping like a couple days before. And we did this like Midwest run of shows, and we kind of went into the shows thinking like, yeah, this is like our second tour, no one's gonna care. And we were doing like uh, like a breakdown cover on the tour, and for whatever reason. The Midwest knew the breakdown cover better than anyone on the East Coast when we did, like, the tour later, which was really cool. Um, And I think we had, like, our promo songs out by then. And I remember this, like, very specific moment. We were playing in um, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And it was, like, tons of young kids there, and it was, like, super sick. And uh, we were playing uh, Chain Relief off of the promo song. And Alex did this, like, snare roll into, like, the second part. And it, like, struck everybody so well that when we recorded the 7-inch version of it, we, like, made it like that. So that's, like, I don't know. Those are, like, memories that I'm thinking about right now. Oh, and But North Dakota, though, like, I guess, like, is, is playing, like, smaller towns and, like, kind of going, like, off the beaten path something that you think you're, you're really into? I am. Yeah. I'm really into it. And probably it. comes from, like, kind of growing up. Out of, the, out of the way? Yeah, agreed. And I, I think that's like, um, I think that's why I'm more prone to wanting to do stuff like that is because I know that uh, there's been bands that have come through that probably think like, oh man, West Virginia is going to suck. And then they play there and the show's like awesome. So uh, I think that's why when I do get hit up by people that are like, hey, you should come play, you know, Grand Forks, North Dakota, or on this last tour, we did before uh, we ended the band. We were supposed to play in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and the show just wasn't working out. And uh, a guy hit me up and was like, hey, hey, I live like an hour north in uh, Binghamton, New York, and I'd love to do a show for you. And I was just like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. And that show ended up being like one of the most fun shows of the tour. So it's like, so bands that tour, if you get hit up and the show seems like it could be cool and you're just already out, you should just do it because it could be, like, the coolest show of tour, you know? Yeah, so. I think that's, like, a common theme when I do, like, talk to anyone from, like, hardcore bands and stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, we played this, like, crazy small town, and it was the best show of the tour. Like, And it's, I, I feel like, it, you know, it's probably because, like, those kids don't always get the biggest shows, so, like, they'll go off for, like, you know, any any chance they get, so. Exactly, and that and that's the thing, too, is, like, if you have someone that cares about your band that wants you to play there... That's way more important than playing, like, you know, somewhere cool where, like, a person might kind of care about the show and, like, ten people come. Or you could play a show where there's, like, not as well-known spot, but the promoter really cares about the show, and then, you know, 60 or 70 kids come. So that's cool. Yeah, and then I guess there are always, like, the big city, like, 200 people shows, but, like, nobody dances or, like, sings along. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just kind of just, like crossed arms standing around it's like going through the motions of like being a someone who's like a part of it you know what i mean yeah. so and so yeah um another band that you've played with while you've been in kansas city uh contrast um how did that band get started okay so um 
Max and I had like really wanted to start a band that just sounds like Integrity, and uh, we talked about it. And one day, I, I think a blindside practice might have got like canceled or something. And I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna play drums and you play my guitar." Because at the time, we were still just a four piece, so Max was playing bass. So he just like picked up my guitar, and he just we wrote the intro. I think like the first thing or something like that, and. Uh, I was like, man, I really want to start. We should start a band like this and have ask Antonio to sing and see if uh, Taylor, uh, if he will play bass. Since he hadn't played a bass in a band since, I think, like, sorry, excuse. So uh, we just kind of, like, formed like that. And at the time before, like, a couple months before that, we had been trying to do a friend a band with our friends, uh, Max Tolberg and Daniel. And Daniel was in sorry, excuse. And Daniel's in, I'm sorry, Max is in Altered Beast. And uh, we were trying to do a band with that, and this wasn't, like, working out or whatever. And Antonio was going to sing in that. So what ended up being is that Daniel and Max did No Quarter, and then we all did Contrast. And then, uh, yeah, so we did that for a while. Uh, we weren't very active this past year, just for, like, a number of reasons. And then... Uh, Blindside was pretty busy, so... I right, guess that kind of exactly. So Blindside was touring a lot, and then... It, Whenever we were trying to do contrast stuff, it like wasn't working out, and uh, and all, and Spine was like getting ready for their new LP, so they were also pretty busy. Antonio, so um, Taylor ended up leaving the band, so I moved to bass, and Dan, who played in blind, played in Blindside, he uh, moved to drums, and we're actually recording two songs for a split record um, on Wednesday. So awesome, yeah, and. Uh, is is this tour you're going on with Devil Standing Contrast? Is that the first tour for both of those bands? Or? It is, yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. It's a that'll be the first time Devil's Den has left Kansas City, and it'll be the first time Contrast has ever gone on tour. So, thanks. Oh yeah, because uh, did didn't Contrast play like uh, like a fest show like this year or something? Oh, or? that's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, we but that uh, wasn't like a full tour for that band. No, right? yeah, we just. Um, so Blindside, Contrast, both played Midwest Blood in January. I'm sorry, February. And uh, Contrast played the pre-show, and Blindside did as well. But, um, yeah, Contrast played the pre-show. I forgot about that. So, yeah. So we hadn't, we've never done a tour, but we have played out of town a couple of times. So, yeah. Nice. And, um, yeah, what's, what's the, the Devil's Den process been like so far? Oh, uh, it's really good. Um so Devil's Den is just like the band that was like in the ashes of Blindside pretty much. Yeah. And uh it's been really good. We we had so like Max and I, of course, just like sim sim processes Blindside. We both had songs written. Mm. Um and all the songs that Max had written actually were not gonna be Blindside songs. And I had one that was written that was a little different. So um we just kinda we just kind of talked about it, and we're just like, yeah, we should we should all do another band together because we we all want to tour and we want to go out and stuff. So uh, we just started Devil's Den immediately, recorded the demo like the week after the last Blindside show, and then we just kept the wheels turning. So and then uh, we're like writing more music right now and stuff. So yeah, not not too much downtime at all here. No, um, I think that's like how we all really wanted it to be. Is like. 
there was no reason to like really slow down with it. And the other thing too is we haven't we've only played two shows since our you know demos been out for two months now or so. Mm-hmm. So we just uh, and Blindside was much different in that aspect. We put out a demo and we played like ten shows in like three months it felt like. So um, we're trying to take our time with writing this next release, but we already have like a lot of songs written for it. So Devilston. Uh, is, won't won't be slowing down anytime soon. So, nice. And s- since you've been in Kansas City, also you have also you you booked a ton of like out of town bands for shows. Yeah. Um. What have been some of your favorites that you've brought through town? Oh man, I have such a bad memory recently. It's like driving me crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of shows that I've like really liked that I booked. Recent time, uh, the I did a show for Bent Life and the Beautiful Ones, uh, probably like a year and a half ago, and that was a really good show. Um, man, that was that the the loft in the West Bottom. Yeah, yeah. it was. That was um, kind of cool spot for. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Um, I love that spot. I wish that we could still do shows there. Um, man. I'm trying to think. I have such a bad memory. I'm trying to think of what I booked this year. I mean, the last Blindside show was yeah, like that was that was wild. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite shows that I booked. Only like not just because like it was the last Blindside show, but it was cool because like every band on the show was our friends, and that's the way we wanted to like end the band was. You know, we just wanted our friends' bands just to play, and that was, like, it. Mm-hmm. And we also had played Omaha, like, a couple of days before that with Bent Life, and that was, like, those are, like, really good friends of ours and Bib. So it was, like, really nice to kind of end the band on a high note. So it was, like, all our friends' bands played. We put out this new record, like, this is it. So it was nice. That's probably my favorite show that I've probably ever booked honestly is just that last show yeah, that, that's that was one of my favorites i i've been to this year probably one of my my favorite hardcore shows so i would agree it's a blast yeah but there's been like so many shows this year that have been like sick that uh i didn't book so and i i like that even more that I, then i can just go to a show and just like hang out and just enjoy myself yeah, i'm sure i'm sure anytime like there's a big show that comes through you're excited about and you don't have to book it. You don't have to play it. You're just like, ah, there we go. Seriously, that's it's so awesome because then I don't feel like obligated to anything. I'm just like, cool, I can just go to the show, hang out, pay my entry fee, and just like <laughs> enjoy the show instead of have to like worry about all the like logistics stuff of it the entire time. So, yeah, awesome. Did Did you end up? Did you ever like book the shows yourself when you were playing in West Virginia? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I booked a lot of shows actually. Um, so, um, I had some friends named uh, Jared and Justin, and uh, my friend Mike, who's still a really good friend of mine. He, um, they all booked shows, and it was I was probably like eighteen. No, I was younger than that. I was still in high school, so I was like sixteen. But uh, I was like sixteen, and uh, my friend Jared and I were like. Man, there's not really anything happening because like Project Active Media had kind of gone defunct, and the older guys that were like booking shows kind of stopped and they like moved away. So I was like, "Yo, we should start booking shows." So we just booked some bands from like Columbus to come down and play, and then just kind of like took off from there. And then, like I said, my friend Mike, who uh, he was from about 45 minutes away, he like came to Parkersburg all the time for shows, and we just became like incredibly good friends. And uh, he was like started booking shows, so it was like. 
this weird like part of West Virginia hardcore history, I guess, from like 2007 to like probably 2011, 2012. There was like this resurgence of just like shows happening all the time between like Parkersburg, St. Albans, and Huntington, which is all like in the mid Ohio Valley. So it's like on the outside curve of West Virginia, on the border of like Kentucky and Ohio, all the way down. But um, we just booked like so much like crazy stuff. I know uh, at the time there was like the first like Brace War and Mongoloids tour came to Parkersburg, and it was like in a community center, and there was like a hundred people there. Um, Trapped in Rice, right when Stay Cold play came out, played at the same place. Um, Coke Bus, Line of Judah, and Give played Gibbs' first tour. They played in uh, this basement in Parkersburg. And then there was this venue in St. Albans, Nitro area called um, The Brick House. And they did, like, tons of shows for years. And they did, like, pretty much any, like, any bands that were, like, coming through the area that needed shows, they would just, they would play there all the time, so... Like, Have Heart played in Huntington on, like, one of their first tours with, like, it was, like, Rise and Fall, Meltdown, Verse, and, like, whatever else was on that crazy tour, I can't remember, so. Oh, that's, yeah, like, even even to get, like, probably one or two of those shows, like, in those small towns every year is probably, like, just crazy exciting, so. Yeah. To have that many really cool bands come through there must be really cool. Yeah, it was really cool, especially at the time, because it was, like, Felt like we were doing, like, something, like, really special, you know? So it was, like... And it was cool, too, because, like, all the shows were always all ages, and, like, everyone was, like... No one... There's no ego. It's just, like, constantly just people want to, like, go to shows and buy merch and whatever whatever else, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I was going to say, actually, uh, when Antonio and I booked Give and uh, Protester over the summer, that was a really good show. Mm. Um, the guys in Give were, like, oh, yeah... You booked that show in West Virginia? And they're all like talking about how it was like one of their like dreams to play West Virginia for whatever reason. But uh I think that the singer of Line of Judah was like from West Virginia or lived there, like on the border of DC. Probably just talked it up really well. Yeah, for, for exactly. So I guess because it was really funny with that like Line of Judah and Give Tour, they were supposed to play just those two bands at the end of a tour, and something like happened with their rental van where they had to like take it back three days earlier. And they, like, promised our uh, friend Jared and was like, yo, I'm, we're going to come back, I promise. And they ended up bringing Coke Bust. And it was just, like, this insane little three-day weekend package at the time that just came through and played, like, all these, like, podunk towns and then went back to D.C. It was That's really tight. cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd be, that'd be, even, like, like, even as just, like, a regular band, I think that would probably be really fun at some point just to, like, play, like, a tour of only, like, small towns and just... You know, like Chicago, no. Let's play. Let's play somewhere weird in Indiana, and like yeah, yeah. for sure. There's like uh, this small town, like an hour away from where I lived, and uh, this guy named Austin used to book shows there all the time, and it was called Barnesville, and it was probably like a town of like twelve thousand people, mm-hmm. but like. Dead in the Dirts played there, Harm's Way played there, Death Before Dishonor, I don't know, just like a bunch of like bigger bands that you wouldn't think like would ever play somewhere like there. They played there and then just be like packed shows, like 100 kids or more. So. Everyone in town is is at that. Yeah, exactly. And also like people, 
That's the other thing cool about like that area is that a lot of people would travel to like other cities for shows. So it was like we had a ton of friends in like Cleveland and Columbus and Pittsburgh and uh, a lot of friends in Louisville. And that's just like all those connections have always like stayed strong. So it was like oh, this is the tour came to West Virginia. People from Louisville would just drive up or we'd go to Cleveland or, you know, so on and so forth. So. Oh, yeah, wait, but which fest is in Louisville? Is it Midwest Blood? Yeah, yeah. it is. So yeah. does that make going back there for that pretty cool? Oh, super cool, yeah. That was like, uh, I've been friends with Alex and Tyler and everything since, like, I was, like, 19. So it's been almost, you know, close to a decade for us all being friends. And uh, any time there's, like, something, you know, that's, I think, also, you know, everyone in Kansas City that are in Contrast and Devil's Den and Spine have also been friends with them for years. So it's, like, every year it happens. All of my friends that I'm still really close to in West Virginia and all my friends in Kansas City and all get to go to Louisville and I just get to, like, see all of the friends that I, like, grew up with basically over the last 10 years and it's just like really cool so yeah how far out of west virginia is louisville like from uh louisville? it's about five hours south mm-hmm. yeah so it's just like one highway all the way down so it's easy so you did travel like out there for shows occasionally oh yeah, yeah definitely um there was like a point where uh there's this house uh called the chestnut house and uh my friend mike and alex and uh my friend and our friend aaron we would all just like get in a car and drive down to Louisville and just, like, go to the show. And then for whatever reason, we always drove back. So it would just be, like, we'd go down and we saw, like, um, saw Take Offense and Down Presser play there one time. And it was, like, every show there also was just, like, packed. There's always, like, you know, 100, 120 people at these shows. And this it should be in a, a venue, but it's in this, like, living room. And it's just, like, awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, I think that's most of what I wanted to get to. Um, so yeah, um, people can visit shuttlecockmusic.com and there's a web store on there. You can get t-shirts, buttons, and the, the new zine will be on there soon. So look out for that. Um, there's a shuttlecock house party happening here on Saturday, December 16th, 2017. And that's with Crystal and Nightcrawlers. So Make sure you hit that up, and make sure you listen to the ADD podcast with Jason Barr. Uh, where, like, what should people look for coming up with your bands, and where can people find it online and stuff? Um, so Contrast is putting out a split seven inch um, with this band called Constraint from Louisville. Tyler Short sings in that band, and his record label is also putting the record out. So that should be out in like uh, late spring. Um, Devil's Den is, uh, we're writing new music right now, hopefully a lot of songs, so that should be out sometime around the same time, probably. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, Contrast, KC Bandcamp, and uh, Devil's Den Bandcamp. Um, I'm doing some shows with my friend Antonio, Um, Erupt, United Races, and Permanent Control are playing at Middle East on December 29th. Be there. Uh, Red Death, Division of Mine, on Altered Beast, Contrast Devil's Den, are playing at Davies Uptown on January 1st. Um, January 29th, Fixation from Pennsylvania is playing at Revolution Records. Uh, it'll be the Contrast Devil's Den tour kickoff, too, with Mantita. Um, and there's another sick show that's going to get announced soon. So, Oh, yeah. 
Make cool. sure be at every one of those shows, please. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you.